This is episode number 297 with Dr. Afruz Demiri. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Dr. Afruz Demiri knows firsthand the impact of putting her life on automatic. Years ago, poor nutrition, stress, and sleepless nights took their toll. Doctors tried everything to address the cause of weight gain, mental fogginess, pain, anxiety, yeast infections, PMS, and muscle twitching. They sent her to a host of medical specialists and prescribed endless painkillers and antibiotics. Ironically, this was all while studying for her medical boards. That's when she met her first naturopathic doctor and her life changed. She grew strong and healthy, passing on conventional medical school to become a naturopathic doctor. And since 2007, she has been helping patients with their health problems practicing as a licensed board-certified naturopathic medical doctor specializing in integrative functional medicine for women. She finds the root cause for hormonal imbalances, thyroid disorders, stress, weight gain or digestive issues, fatigue, depression and anxiety. As faculty and director of functional medicine at the University of California, Irvine, she sees patients at the Susan Samuel Integrative Health Institute and in her private practice in Newport Beach in California. She believes the foundation of health starts in utero or even prior to conception and that the healthier people are, the more they can live a meaningful and soulful life. And in today's episode, we chat about her fascinating story and how she got into the work that she's doing now the factors that made her two pregnancies very different. These stories are incredible to hear and so inspiring. How the modern world is affecting human fertility and why you need to prepare for pregnancy now, even if you're not thinking about having a child right this moment. Why we should all live a trimester zero lifestyle. This is so fascinating. You guys are going to love this. We also chat about her life-changing program. It's called Trimester Zero, and it's an online course and why everyone needs to do this course, not just females, males too. We also chat about how she reads her patient's stories and symptoms using mind-body medicine, the importance of listening to your body's messages and looking at ourselves as holistic whole beings. She also shares her advice for anyone who has been trying to conceive. We also talk very much about the guilt that us mamas 
sometimes feel and how to let go of that. And she has a really fascinating story around this with her firstborn. Plus, we talk about so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 297. And before we dive into today's epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from hashtag reviews, (laughs) and it's a five-star review titled, A Boost for Me to Thrive and Shine. And he or she says, thank you so much for always sharing with love, honesty, and vulnerability, Melissa. This show not only allows me to keep up to date with the most current information from gurus and my favorite thought leaders about health and wellness, it gives me heaps of insight into relationships and spirituality. Your show has been a huge inspiration for me in my journey to thrive and shine in business and in life. Thank you so much for that beautiful review, honey. I am so grateful. And as a little thank you, I want to give you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. So just send me a screenshot of your review to hello at melissaambrosini.com. And I want to gift that to you. That's actually for anyone. Anyone who leaves me a review, just send in a screenshot and I'll gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation to say thank you. And if you want to get my bursting with love guided meditation, All you have to do is leave a review on Amazon for either Mastering Your Mean Girl or Open Wide or both. And again, send me a screenshot and I will send that over to you. And now without further ado, let's get this party started and bring on Dr. Afruz Demiri. Beautiful lady, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh, I had uh, blueberry pancakes, actually leftover blueberry pancakes that my kids didn't eat. (laughs) Yum, 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 yum. So delicious. Now, you have a fascinating story with how you got into your work helping women. So can you take us back and tell us how you got to where you are today? Yes. Well, I got into naturopathic medicine, not knowing what it was by accident. I always wanted to be a surgeon a neurosurgeon. I loved medicine. I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but I had all these sicknesses, migraines, yeast infections, all the things that a lot of girls have. And they go to the doctor and they're told it's normal. Girls get these things. And I was put on the pill and I was on the pill for 10 years And I had all these new symptoms. And every time I'd go to the doctor, I'd get a new pill or another pill and all these side effects. And one day someone said, why don't you go see more of a holistic doctor, a naturopathic doctor? And I said, a what? I'd never heard of such a thing. And this person spent 90 minutes with me. They took me off the pill. And I can't believe how many symptoms just went away just alone from that, which I had no idea about. And fast forward, I decided that's the kind of doctor I want to be. I want to have time to speak to patients. I want to have sort of that root cause perspective on symptoms. And then fast forward, I'm a doctor and married. And of course, I always wanted to be a mom. And I was young. I was 28. I got pregnant. I had a miscarriage early on, but I didn't think anything of it. It was just, I was still young. And I thought, no big deal. We'll try again. And I got pregnant and had my daughter, Naya. And I I have to say, she's the love of my life. She's the biggest teacher, but she also, if I, if I can be honest, is, has been my wound 
she literally was the first time in my life where I felt pain. And I now understood when people say you break and you fall apart. It was hard. She was blind in one eye and she has what's called Turner syndrome, which means she's missing ovaries. She's missing her uterus. She doesn't have all the female parts that we have. And she's missing a whole X chromosome. So you and I are XX, right? And a guy is an XY. But I couldn't believe that a human being can be born with a whole chromosome missing. So most miscarriages actually are chromosomal issues. And so I began this quest, not actually wanting to begin this quest, but I remember after her seventh eye surgery, you know, in the first year of her life, when I was a mess, I literally probably cried every single week and I, it tested my faith with God and I got angry and I was like, why, why does this happen to me? I had patients like that were cocaine addicts having healthy babies. And I was like, why, you know? And so that's how all this began is I, I realized what could I have done? You know, first you start blaming yourself and I realized there's no one to blame, but could I have done anything differently? And why aren't couples kind of seeing anyone before they have a baby? I mean, we don't go buy a house. We don't ever do anything without doing our research and kind of looking at the foundation looking at the house, making sure everything is okay. But I realized we don't see the doctor until we're pregnant. And we start eating well when we're pregnant. We cut out the alcohol when we're pregnant. We do all these things like literally at week six or week seven or week five. But I kind of coined this term trimester zero, holding her at, in the after her surgery thinking, we should really be preparing for pregnancy. And how come we're not? And at the time, you know, I had a partner who, you know, guys occasionally smoke marijuana, they may smoke. And these are things that are sort of ordinary. And an OBGYN would never tell a man that this is something that could affect fertility or the health or the DNA of that child. And so I started questioning, you know, is there research on marijuana use and sperm quality? Is there research on tuna consumption and mercury and diets on fertility. It's not just about fertility. It's about having a healthy baby, I realized. So that's how it all started is I kind of was forced because I wanted to have like 10 kids. And after this one, I was like, I'm done. I'm too scared. And I was, I was devastated in a way and I was really scared. And so in order to have a second I started digging up the research and really changing my life, changing my diet. And I was pretty healthy. I mean, I never did drugs. I always was active. I was an instructor. But I started looking at, you know, the eight amalgams that I had in my teeth and renovating my whole entire house just before the pregnancy and all these little things that I thought, okay, let me test my body and see if there is anything scientifically going on. And there were issues. And so I addressed those and I had a healthy second baby, my son, who is here. And this story took a long time to come out because I was ashamed. I felt guilty. I didn't want her ever to hear this story. I don't ever want her to even listen to this and think that she is my wound or that I did. I feel like I did something wrong because I didn't. But because of her, I've, I've grown. I've spiritually grown. I'm emotionally a better doctor, a better mother. But now I've hopefully it can help couples understand, you know, things that they can do ahead of time. Mm, I love that. How old is she now? She's eight. She's eight. And your son? He's seven. Seven. Oh my goodness. Well, she'll be nine Beautiful. soon. So they're, they're almost two years apart. 
Wow. Wow. So you have said so many powerful things here. I just wanted to give you a little bit of background on on me. So my husband and I have been together since 2013. And when we first met, I knew I wanted to marry him and I wanted to have babies with him one day. And I had never, like before that, any other boyfriend I was with, I I didn't, was like, I don't believe in marriage and I didn't want to have kids. And then I met my husband. I was like, I want to marry you and I want to have your kids. So we knew that straight away. And he was the same, like he already had a son. And so he was like, until he met me, he was, had the same beliefs. And then we were like, we just want to get married and we want to have babies together one day. And so we both went to a naturopath and we told her that one day we wanted to have a baby or babies. And so she was like, okay, let's get these tests done and let's start you on your journey to getting your body in optimal health so that you can create a healthy baby. But I see a lot of women, they fall pregnant and then they start looking after themselves. They go to the naturopath, they start eating and buying organic and ditching the beauty products, like what you said. And it's amazing that they do it then. But I love what you talk about trimester zero, which is so important. So what are some of the things that we need to think about and look at in trimester zero? And why is it so important? Yeah. So the reason why it's important is because we're actually finding and through testing of baby's stools, so their first meconium and their umbilical cord of moms. So we actually have research looking at what are going on now versus 20 years ago, 40 years ago. So maybe our grandparents weren't they didn't have to do as much as we have to in their trimester zero. Cause I remember talking to my grandma and I was like, they always ate well. They always managed stress and they didn't have 50 billion things going on and they didn't have all these toxins and VOCs and cell phones next to their ovaries and all the stuff we have now. So it's, it's different. Looking at the research now, we're finding the amount of mercury in baby's first poop is ridiculously high. And so they get all their mercury from mom. And mercury is neurotoxic. It's actually bad for the brain. So who cares if you're taking a prenatal if you're full of mercury, (laughs) right? So a lot of the science, we always say it takes about 17 years for something in research when it's found for it to make it into a book, be taught at medical school, And so this is where I come in. I'm trying to bridge the gap and say, look, guys, the research is there. Why aren't we doing anything about it? I mean, it's common sense, like you said, and maybe a 24-year-old or 28-year-old isn't thinking that way yet. But the issue is a lot of the females that come to me, they're on the pill and they're told as soon as they get off the pill, they can get pregnant, no problem. And that literally 99.9% of OBGYN friends that I have, that's what they say. But that's not true. I don't see that. I mean, um, maybe I'm the anomaly and I know I'm not because I talk to other friends who are doctors. I have so many patients in my practice who what we call post-pill amenorrhea. They actually don't even get a period after they come off and they're told, This is very rare. It's like one in a billion, but it's not. So that's one thing is, A, are you ovulating? Do you have regular periods? Are your hormones healthy? Do you have endometriosis 
or PCOS and you don't even know that you have it. I have women nowadays, it's very trendy here in California, if you don't have a partner to reserve your eggs for future use. When I was in school, this wasn't very big. I didn't have a lot. And now I find a lot of patients will come to me. They've frozen their eggs. They didn't know they had PCOS at the time. And when you have PCOS, you have lots of immature eggs. So when you do a scan, it looks great. And you're told, wow, you have so many eggs. And then they freeze them and they go through all the procedures that are pretty aggressive and they keep failing and they keep miscarrying where there's no pregnancy. And it's it's, it's these things that we miss when we don't do the work. And people think trimester zero is, I say, usually three months, but you could have issues that you don't know about. And that's why I want, I want this time to make it to medical books so that in case you have endometriosis, in case you don't have that cervical mucus that should be nice and wet and slippery for that sperm to get up to where it needs to, in case you don't have regular periods and all these issues or you're overweight and you have actually underlying thyroid issues, which is going to predispose you to a miscarriage, let's say, all these things get missed and so many couples have to suffer and get tested after the third miscarriage, which is typically when we see a problem or after a year of trying, then they're told, okay, we'll test you now. You know, whereas I think we should be testing them way earlier. Why, why aren't we looking at men's sperm? Why do we assume that it's all the female that has a problem? Whereas now the male fertility factor is like so on the rise. It's about 50% of cases. Whereas when I was in medical school, it was about 20%. I mean, the normal ranges for sperm quality and count every year, if you look, is going down. So what's considered normal now, 20 years ago, was abnormal, was too low. And so the environment is changing. We have so many more toxins and every day it goes up. So we really do need to be more active and proactive about this stage because our kids are being born unhealthier than ever before. Every disease in childhood is on the rise. Yes, we're living longer, but we're not healthier. We're living longer, but I always say, do you wanna be 90 and not remember everything? Do you want to have a child that is healthy and you didn't really necessarily do anything about it, but then that child ends up with asthma, eczema, ADD, God forbid, cancer, autoimmune disease later on, diabetes, all these things, if we look back at root cause, up until recently, most of us thought it's all in utero. So the root cause is you keep going back and back and genes get turned on and off in the uterus, right? But if you go back even before then, a lot, everything happens at conception. Like that is the beginning of everything. And how is it that the egg quality and the sperm quality is never addressed, you know, before you have a child? It's all, usually about numbers. And, you know, I always joke, it's not about quantity, it's about quality as well. So I like to look at that. I like to look at detoxification, which isn't a trendy word. It actually has so much science behind it that do you have toxins in your body that you're going to pass on? There's actually a really good show that was made here in the U.S. It's called Overload. I don't know if you have access to it, but I highly recommend watching it. It's this woman who's had two kids and now she wants to have a third. And she goes on this journey. She doesn't really ever eat organic. She uses plastics. She doesn't care about her makeup, her hair, her toxins. You know, just a lot of people are like that. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just we're not educated. We don't know. 
and she gets tested and she just can't believe all these things that she has in her body. And she makes lifestyle changes, which are simple, nothing fancy, nothing too crazy, nothing too expensive, not crazy supplements or diets or things that you have to go on. And she sees these values come down. And I feel like I wish I had done that. I wish I had just taken a few months to at least, it doesn't mean that it wouldn't, the outcome wouldn't be the same, but at least I would know that, you know what? I was in the best shape of my life and to create at that shape, mentally, physically, emotionally, even spiritually, be so connected like you are to your husband that you just know, I call that conscious conception because you're on a different level of consciousness and even not wanting to have a kid just for the sake of having a kid, you know, because some people, I have couples who come to me and it's not working and we do the deeper work, their hormones look good, everything looks good on the book. And I'm like, gosh, something is missing. And then we find out, you know, through therapy and through talking that one of the partners actually doesn't even want to have a child with that with that person. And so it's, this course is, is, is on every single level because a, a child is, is creation, it's art. It's, it's you know, I say the, it's a, you're creating life. So it goes on such, such a deep level and I like to dive in on all levels because you're a whole person. But yeah, I'll stop there. Oh, so good. It's so important. It's so important. And if we all just take this time to do this work in trimester zero, think about the child, your future child or children like them, think about how much smarter they could be, how much more healthier and vibrant that they could be and things like that. So I've been in trimester zero since I met my husband, really. We are both so health conscious. We are both committed to living a healthy lifestyle. We both eat really well and meditate and move our bodies and We've always known that it's going to be something that we do together one day. And so like every day, it's just a priority for us. And whether someone is listening to this and they're 21 or they're 16 and they're like, oh, I don't want to have a baby. It's not like that's not even on the cards. I don't even have a boyfriend. Still listen to this information because this is about health and fertility and hormones. This is about getting your body in peak health. So not only you can thrive, but you can create a thriving human one day. Just want to jump in and remind us that most 50% of pregnancies here actually happen accidentally. They're not planned. And so when I looked at that data, I thought, well, it's easy to have someone like you and your husband, you're in a relationship, you love each other, you know you want to have a baby. Yes, you're in trimester zero. But what about all these other people who accidentally get pregnant and they're not planned? How can we influence those babies' health? Because that's 50% of the future population. And that's why I think this is so important for moms to, to learn about, grandparents to learn about, for it to be a thing that even if you're 16, like you say, we don't know. I mean, you could get pregnant at 21 and it could be unplanned. But if you are doing sort of the wrong things for health of that future child, it's just good to be aware of it. I don't like guilt. I don't want, I still want people to have fun. I don't ever want someone to feel like, oh, I just can't eat well. I'm not motivated or I, I don't want to work out. That's just not who I am and feel bad that they're not doing it. I'm more curious as to 
what gives you joy, you know, and why, why do you do the things that you do? And what do you want your children to do? What, what patterns do you want them to repeat? And what qualities do you have that you would rather they don't? And why not? So let's talk about that. But I think, yeah, it's important to realize that not everyone is going to plan this. And it's important to think about what are we putting in our bodies? What are we putting in our skin? How are we modeling to our children so that they learn from a young age these things? I mean, my kids know how to read labels. They know they're they're made fun of usually because they knew the word toxin at like age two. It was like one of their first words or my son wouldn't touch the receipts. He'd be like, mommy, it's toxic. And then my friends would be like rolling their eyes going, oh my God, you have such a naturopathic kid. And I'm like, well, it's important. I don't want him touching receipts all day. <laughs> you know, it's it, so it's good to educate and just bring it into awareness. I kind of say, if you're not pregnant, you're kind of in trimester zero because you never know. Like you, people get pregnant without planning it. So trying to be as healthy as possible and doing all the basic things but I take it up a notch and say, okay, well, let's say you are doing all those things and you are having issues. What is it? How do we address that instead of saying quickly, let's go to IVF? Because that's typically what's done. As soon as you see the doctor, it hasn't been working. Everyone is doing IVF. I mean, the, it's so on the rise and it's aggressive. It's hard on the body. It's very stressful. It's very costly. You got to do it usually three or six times and the rates of success for live birth aren't that high. And so I want to avoid that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it'd be great if we could do it a more natural way that's less expensive, that's easier on your body, that's less stressful. And so I like to get people in before that happens because that's, it's harder when you're 41, 42 and, you know, you're kind of like rushing, you know, I, I always say, oh, when do you want to get pregnant? And they're like, yesterday. That's that's harder. That puts a lot of pressure on all of us. Mm, yes. So what are some of the things in your course, Trimester Zero, which is an incredible online program, which every single human being should look into because it's so amazing. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. You definitely should check it out. And I love what you said. Like, If you're not pregnant, you're in Trimester Zero. That is so powerful. So what are some of the things that you cover in the course that people can start to do? And is it for men as well? Yes, it's for couples. So it's for both. And I actually really want, if you have a partner, for both of you to watch all the videos. So it's seven weeks, self-paced, all online. And I go through all the basics. And the first part is to know where are you right now? So what is your fertility profile look like? So we get all the tests that are important out of the way. We do it. We don't guess. We first look at all your symptoms, your thyroid, your hormones, your cervical mucus, the uterine lining, the sperm, and all of that. So first, we kind of have a good picture of the puzzle. Where are you? What's your profile? That's week one. And then I go through all the different products and practices that are really important that you should be doing and shouldn't be doing, such as basic things that make a huge impact, like air quality. So I always ask patients to buy specific plants and have plants in the house and get a good air filter and a good water filter. So you're not drinking out of plastic and you're not getting, I say when you're in trimester zero, you should be plastic free, not BPA free, but plastic free, like zero plastic allowed in the house. That's really important. And if you can control the air where you can, because we get most of our toxins actually through our lungs, we breathe it in. 
in the house, at work, in your car, look at that. So I go through all that and I have people from all over the world, from Australia, UK, and I help them find things, looking at your body fat percentage and making sure that you're at your optimal fat percentage. So I don't care how much you weigh, but it's important fat in your body. You want to have enough. Uh, you don't want to be too thin, especially if you don't have periods. A lot of women have stressed their body out from over-exercising or under-eating and they've lost their periods. And they're told they have premature ovarian failure and they can't get pregnant. So sometimes I do the opposite. I actually have them increase their fat so that they can make cholesterol, which converts to progesterone, progestation. That's really important for preventing a miscarriage. And then we look at toxins and diet. So I, what I love about the diet is my training as a naturopathic doctor. I also am trained in Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. So looking at more what diet is right for you. So let's say I typically have low blood pressure and I'm cold. Me too. <laughs> right? Whereas someone else with PCOS who can't get pregnant or is having is in trimester zero, they might be very hot. They might be prone to acne. They might have hair on their face and they might have difficulty losing weight. Our diet is going to be very different in trimester zero. So I'm going to be having more stews and soups and broths and warming foods and maybe licorice to help bring my blood pressure up, whereas that person might need more cooling foods. And so it's I go through the different types of constitutions and how you should be eating according and balancing your your digestive system, your uterus. So your, the uterus needs blood. It needs to be fed blood. So if I have a vegan or a vegetarian, I might tweak their diet and make sure they're getting enough iron and B12 and all of those nutrients that they need versus someone who's very acidic and eating a lot of meat and sugar and alcohol, which are all very acidic. I need to alkalize their body. So the diet part is very much tailored to that person. I don't like the word diet typically. And that's why I said trimester zero is your diet because it's a you diet. depends on you, your genetics, your ancestors. I'm Persian. What did my grandparents eat? It's going to be very different than someone that's Japanese and actually ate a lot of fish and seaweed and very high iodine. Iodine is so important for babies' IQ. That's why I say Japanese babies have the highest IQ. Mm -hmm. They eat a lot of vegetables and things from the ocean, which is full of iodine. We don't. And I was actually born hypothyroid and put on thyroid medication at birth because my mom didn't get enough iodine from her food. I turned out pretty smart, I think. I think you did. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's important because I look and I go, yeah, a lot of Persian women have thyroid issues. We don't get a lot of iodine from our diet. So iodine is a very key nutrient I look at in trimester zero. And often I'll find they need to be supplemented or sea kelp or seaweed getting the iodine in the body beforehand so that when your baby's there, you pass that on and then you give them all of all you got through that breast milk. So we're not just looking at healthy babies. We want to make sure you're healthy enough in case you want to have another one. And moms become very depleted after pregnancy because they literally give all the calcium, it leaches out of their bones, all their nutrients are passed on. So we want you at the best you can be before pregnancy. I always say a prenatal at week five is, is kind of too late if you've been nutriently deficient, right? Because you want, you want to be at like best and then so it goes down, right? You don't want to start here and then try to keep going up and down. What else? Then I go through different practices, sleep, 
mindsets, stress, things like EMFs and technology and, you know, keeping your cell phones and things away from the testicles, the breasts, the ovaries, mitochondrial dysfunction. So your eggs are all mitochondria. We get all the mitochondria from the eggs. And if you've had previous infections like mono, like Epstein-Barr virus, different viruses, even now with this virus going in around, I'm very curious. And there's, there is research being done on the mitochondria because viruses take the ATP, they need energy. And that's why we often feel so tired when we get the flu or with mono, we get so tired because the mitochondria gets damaged. And what we do in trimester zero is we want to really support your mitochondria, which is why we give CoQ10, melatonin, all these antioxidants that help your mitochondria make fuel. So I look at that. I, we do the tests in first week to see, do you have a lot of these viruses? Do you have autoimmune disease that you didn't even know about? Hashimoto's, for example, is very common in females, which is your immune system attacking the thyroid. Some patients have gut issues and most of your immune system, as we know, is in the gut. And in trimester zero, that is the most important system to optimize is your gut. So your baby has the best immune system. And I, I said that, you know, years ago and now with this COVID-19 going around and patients freaking out about trimester zero, should I try? Should I conceive? Is this a bad time? I say this is like the perfect time. A, you're home alone with your partner. You get to connect. You get to make love. But also, this is the time where you can't really focus on your health. You can focus on all the things that are important. So this is actually a really good reset time to kind of quieten the mind and become more still and just really go inward. So much good information there. And I just want to encourage everyone to check out the course. It is so important. It's so important. Just think about your future bubba, you know, it's so important. And, you know, you don't just talk about trimester zero. Like you work with a lot of women to balance their hormones, the thyroid stuff, decrease stress, remove the toxins. And you talk a lot about mind-body medicine. So what is that? Mm -hmm. That's so, so interesting. I didn't know anything about mind-body medicine until I think I went through my own experience. I had issues breastfeeding. I didn't have enough milk and I had all these symptoms. And so mind-body mind means in the Eastern world, they say the mind and the body are one. They're not separate. My background is in biopsychology. So my bachelor's of science was understanding how we think and how the mind works and how our behaviors are sort of looking at the brain as the mind. So I learned the opposite. In the Western world, my PhD professor said that these two are separate. There is no one and they're two different things. And so that's how I was trained as a scientist that these two are separate things. And then when I was in naturopathic medical school, I became familiar. I remember skipping classes and going into the library and learning about Buddhism and Taoism and more the Eastern philosophies, Chinese medicine. And I was really fascinated. I had very open, I was very open-minded at that time. And I thought, gosh, I got to learn how, what this really resonated with me. But I was a scientist and I, I needed to have proof. And Harvard has a mind-body certification institute for practitioners and doctors. And there's now obviously more research looking at how your thoughts 
behaviors, your minds, how they shape you physically. So what neurotransmitters get released, what hormones get released based on your mind. So how is it? Is it the chicken and the egg? Is it that we have a symptom and then the mind starts working? Or is it that let's say someone feels they are, let's say they have an unmet need that they're not loved, that they're not special, that they are not safe that they are not secure. This all goes back to childhood for most of us. Let's say parents were divorced and they had a a thought that came up, right? Often it's not true. What we think as a kid isn't necessarily true. So let's say fast forward now, I see them as a patient. A lot sometimes of the symptoms that they have can go back to what originated this symptom. And they'll say, well, you know, when I was 10, I had a lot of stomach issues as a kid. And I'll go, okay. Or someone else will say, when I was 21, my migraine started. And I'll go, okay. Or, I mean, I could go on and on. So many symptoms. We have a timeline and you look and the patient writes on there, this is when it started. And if you, it's not rocket science, like anyone could do this. You ask your friend, well, what was going on around that time? Usually doctors don't have time to ask or they don't know what to do with that. It's kind of like consult psychologists, but you ask and people tell you, well, I was going through a divorce. I was really stressed. This is what I felt. And then, wow, hold hold and behold, I had this symptom come up. And so is it that the body can manifest physically symptoms based on a more psychological emotional, mental imbalance. So mind-body medicine looks at that. It says, how are you, how is your mind, how is your interaction with the world and your experiences shaping you physically? So that we're not just saying you're just cells and these cells are just having their own little life and I'm just gonna draw blood and I will figure out everything that's wrong and I will fix it. Unfortunately, I wish it was that easy. There is no quick fix that never lasts. That's called suppressing or band-aiding or, you know, just kind of saying, okay, I, if this is too high, I will bring it down. But we ask, why is it high? You know, why did it go up? Why is this hormone testosterone high in a female? What would make that go up? If you're female and testosterone is more than male hormone, what are some mental emotional components that could have contributed to that physically as well and you know i think at the beginning when if you're a really conventionally trained and you think about it this way it makes no sense but when you start seeing patients you know after 13 years i've been doing this it's i can tell almost people's story or i'll ask their story and i can guess what kind of symptom they can have and this is what i teach residents you know we always joke They'll say, Dr. DeMary, I know you already know what's wrong with this patient if I just tell you their story, because it becomes predictable. It's not rocket science. The mind and the body are one. And if we listen, if we just listen to that first symptom or the second symptom, the body is so intuitive. And even though I do this as a practitioner, I, I still am learning about myself and doing the work that when I have a symptom or a sensation or a gut feeling, you know, recently I went through a breakup and I realized I didn't listen. I didn't listen to my intuition. I I second guessed myself and I had unmet needs. And so I kept pushing, I kept resisting, I kept 
the mind took over the overthinking, you know, we say that yang energy, which is very masculine. It's the doer, the doctor that I'm going to fix this. No, I can overcome this. And this time where we have to kind of be forced to be more still and more quiet and more yin and go inward. That's the feminine energy. That's the being, not the doing. And I, I really encourage my females in trimester zero to be more in that feminineness of themselves, which we've kind of lost nowadays here anyways. Um, women are working and there's nothing wrong with that, but they're, they've become more doers and they have ovarian cysts and breast cysts and all the feminine parts of their body is saying, I'm not so happy. And they're told, well, they're benign, you know, and I go, but why? Why are there all these benign tumors in all your feminine parts, right? And what are they doing there? Yeah, what are they doing there? And, and, and I always say nothing starts as cancerous or bad all automatically, suddenly. The body gives you signals. The body holds the messages and we just don't know how to interpret them and listen. And so I think naturopathic doctors are trained more to be an expert at really pausing and listening. And just, I call myself the why doctor. Like I always ask, even as a kid, why? You know, I say like, be a six-year-old. Anything you have or anything you're feeling, ask yourself why. Why is that happening? Why would that go up? And keep going. Usually you have to ask like 10 why questions until you get to the root. And often it's not physical. Often it's not just that there's a toxin that you have too much of. That is important and you have to look at the body. So I always say you can't be mentally healthy if the body is physically not in good shape. And you also can't have it the other way around. It's 50-50. You've got to constantly be helping your body by moving and sweating. And you also have to be working on yourself mentally and emotionally and making sure you're not carrying your wounds on to the next generation, you know, and having them do the work for you. And so I love when couples have that time alone together to really be honest and you can be honest with yourself and have that safe relationship where if there are issues that you didn't get to heal, now you have a partner that's not going anywhere. That's just not gonna fix you, but is gonna hold the space for you to do the work. And often I can't do that with patients enough. So it's really nice when I can teach them to be that for each other. Mm, beautiful. And what I'm really hearing is that we need to look at ourselves as a holistic being it's not just about what you put in your mouth. It's not just about removing the EMFs. It's a mind, body, and soul thing that we need to look at and ideally in trimester zero so that we can set ourselves up for longevity and health and vitality and also our future child or children. So that's what I'm really hearing. And that's why I love your work so much it's because you are very holistic. You look at the whole person. I love that so, so much. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Blue Blocks. Now, if you follow me on social media, you will know that I love wearing my blue light blocking glasses every single day because they help alleviate digital eye strain, keep your hormones balanced, and help you get a deeper, more restorative sleep. I love Blue Blocks because they are backed by science and made in Australia, which means they are very high quality and not mass produced. All their glasses come in readers, prescription and non-prescription. 
And you can even send in your own frames and have them add their lens technology to your frames. And for every pair purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who then gift them to someone in need in the developing countries. How awesome is that? So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code MELISSA at the checkout. Now let's get back to the conversation. So I would love to hear now, what would you say to someone who has been trying for, I don't know, a year, two years, three years, four years? What is your advice to them? And I have probably 80% of my patients are in that category. So the first thing is I want to hear what's happened. Can you get pregnant? If they say, yes, I've gotten pregnant and I've had seven miscarriages, the first thought I have is, do you have MTHFR, which is sounds like a swear word, but that's a gene <laughs> that is mutated and often in couples and they need more folate. They need more methylation support. So first thing I think of is genes. Second, I think of is autoimmune. Is Are you attacking baby cells? And that's often what's going on. And so they need a different protocol. I just had a a woman who, you know, was sent to me. She's pretty famous in the world and she'd had 10 miscarriages and she finally had her 11th was a, a healthy baby. And that's what it is. So when I hear many miscarriages, I'm thinking genetics and I'm thinking autoimmune. If someone says I can't even get pregnant, it's not about miscarriages. Then I'm looking at equality, the cervical mucus fallopian tubes? Is everything open? Is the sperm making it to the egg? So literally being a scientist and looking at the whole pattern, where what's the sperm like? Let's look at the guys. Let's bring them in. What are your cervical mucus? Do you know when you ovulate? So when you're ovulating, you should have that change in your discharge where now it's nice and clear and like egg whitey. Maybe you have an increased libido that would be healthy because that's when, you know, it can happen. Conception can happen. And so I walk them through all of that and I'm basically checking off all the lists of things, thyroid, iron, nutrition, all of those things. So I have never really had one patient where I've said, I have no idea what's going on. There's always something that we find that wasn't necessarily tested. I have patients who have anti-ovarian antibodies. That means they're attacking their own ovaries, anti-sperm antibodies anti-cardiolipin antibodies. How do you know if you have those? It's a simple blood test, but these things cost money. The insurance companies here typically, the doctors don't, it's not run in the first run, right? But often when patients come to me, I say, look, I pay out of pocket. Just know if you have it or not. You know, it's important to know because often they're not tested. And after four years, I test them and then we find out, oh, this is why. And so they get really upset and they're like, how come no one told me? Why didn't anyone tell me about this test? If I had known four years ago, well, I would have known maybe I needed to go on aspirin. Maybe I needed to go on prednisone. Maybe I need to go on an actual medication to help my immune system. Or maybe I need to cut out gluten and dairy, which was actually affecting my immune system. So typically I say, don't get discouraged. You know, it's not necessarily about age, although age isn't helping us. We don't typically have better eggs as we age. We know that. But look at someone who can actually sit with you and go through that puzzle. And, you know, I'm not the only one out there, but I think it's important to just 
kind of know that there's hope, that there has to be a reason. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to know if you had one book that you could put in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, what book would you choose? Oh, that's a good one. Tao Te Ching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something about just teaching mindfulness, teaching about the mind body, teaching about being by not being or doing by not doing and all these concepts that might really not be understood at that age. I know I probably would have it would have gone through me. But I think some sort of, you know, mindfulness practice at that age, law of attraction, things happening to you for a reason, that nothing happens by accident, that you your mind is powerful and that you you can affect your life. You you do have control over what happens to you and the patterns that repeat. So I think as teenagers we're so trying to find ourselves and, you know, your identity and what people think of you. And, oh gosh, I, I wouldn't want to go back to high school. I actually grew up in Australia. I went to Kalarai and it was rough. It was hard, you know, and I, I wish I could go back and just hug myself and be more loving and be more gentle and kind and, you know, be the person I would be now for someone like that. And I think a book sometimes is helpful because you you realize, wow, you are not your thoughts. You are not your beliefs and you shouldn't believe everything you think. Mm, Absolutely. What would you say to someone who was maybe in a similar situation to you and you said that, you know, you moved through the guilt that you had? Like, I know a lot of people that feel immense guilt around once they've had their baby and maybe they have something like an autoimmune issue or maybe they have asthma or, you know, whatever it is, what would you say to those mothers that are carrying that guilt? Well, I always say guilt and regret and shame and anger really are, they can be very destructive. They don't really serve us. They don't serve our higher good. They're good to be acknowledged and let go. But you have to understand why they're there. And often we need to understand it and get through it. And we don't. We just kind of carry it to the next experience of the next experience. What really helped me was when I heard, I think it was Joe Dispenza years ago, that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And that I am not in charge of my children's experience. That I brought them into this world And whatever they have, whatever challenges they are going to have physically, whether it's asthma, whether it's blindness, whether it's whatever it is, not being able to conceive, this is going to be their challenge. And I'm here to love them and support them and also learn with them and be vulnerable, you know, with them and say, I'm not perfect. Neither are you. We are all imperfect. So that concept of imperfection and humans being imperfect helped me because I realized I couldn't have been perfect like I wanted to be. I couldn't have had the perfect birth and husband and kid and life. That's just not life. That's just not reality. That's not how it works. And so how beautiful to kind of be in that space of acceptance of what is. So I think what I would tell my patients, honestly, if they came to me right now, is to look at mindfulness classes. And this really helped me. So there's a lot of research on mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR. 
but the class that I love the most, it's called Mindfulness Self-Compassion. And I wish I had taken this course like 20 years ago. Is this an online program? Yeah, it's online. I took it here. I've taken it in Canada. It's all around the world, but they teach it online. And it basically teaches you, it's not meditation. It's learning how to be kind and gentle with yourself. Because that's all it is. When we have anxiety, when we have guilt, when we have anger, when we have fear, every emotion we have, it's there's nothing wrong with the emotion. What really is wrong is that we don't allow it to actually be felt. We judge it. We even think, even if you're guilty, okay, you're guilty. Like, I, I don't give it power, right? I, I don't give anything power. Now I'm learning that everything I have is just a thought. And I'll, I'll be, I'll like joke with myself. I'll be like, okay, maybe. You know, that's like my new thing. Everything I think or anything a friend says, I always go, maybe, because who knows if it's really true, you know? So I love Byron Katie's work. It's called thework.com, where she's just always asking, is that really true? You know, how do you really know that that's true? And what what are you living with believing that thought? So having the guilt for me was actually useful, you know, and and resisting it was what was wrong and judging it was what was wrong. Whereas I realized I actually don't really feel guilty. I actually wanted to say I feel guilty because that gave me a purpose. That actually gave me a voice. That actually had it had a reason. Whereas when I really did the deeper work, I realized, no, I actually don't feel guilty. This is what was meant to happen. And it did. And something beautiful came out of it. And I would never, ever go back and want something different. So I think often we just have to take some time to, to do the work and, and really let it be felt, be vulnerable, cry it out, scream it out, let it out. That energy needs to release. And when it's released, you realize you're just love. You're nothing. You, you don't have anything that you're feeling. You're just in the moment. Mm, beautiful. I love that. Besides that mindfulness practice, which we'll link to in the show notes, I'm definitely going to check that out. It sounds amazing. Anything to love ourselves even more and be more kind to ourselves, I'm like, sign me up. So what other practices do you have during the day? Do you have a morning routine? How does your days look? Like, What are some of the things that really set you up for success? I say, do the thing that makes you happy. And anyone who knows me knows I love to dance. I love music. Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. So, yeah, that's my antidepressant. Literally, after I did have Naya, I would go and teach Zumba, which saved me because I just need to sweat. I need. I feel good when I exercise. If I don't work out in a week, I will get depressed. I will be very moody and I will have mood swings. And so I know myself, I know that I have to, I have to move and I love, I, it's not a chore. It's not like I have to go to the gym and get on a machine, even though there's nothing wrong with that. I like to dance. And so last night, for example, I came home and, you know, I put some funky music on and I literally was drenched. I just danced in front of the mirror in the dark in my little shorts and a little, you know, bra top just for myself. And so that helps me because I need to reconnect with me. I think now that I'm older and a little wiser, I realize like I resisted feeling alone and needing a man or needing something to fill my void. Whereas now I'm like, I love myself so much that I want to, I want to marry me. I want to be that thing that brings me joy. And so dance and music brings me joy. 
cooking brings me joy. M&Ms bring me joy, you know, and I will sometimes have them. I haven't had them recently, but I, I give myself permission to do whatever makes me happy. And when I am, let's say down, I'm not imperfect. I'm not always happy and go lucky and, and joyful like this. There are times where I'll go into a funk and I'll feel my dark side of the soul, you know, but I allow it. I am a crier. I will release. I will journal. I will call friends. And that's important. You want to call and reach out to people when you're under stress and your cortisol goes up. So I, I there's a really good TED talk. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called Becoming Friends with Stress. They found that when your cortisol goes up, another hormone, which we call the hug hormone, the love hormone, the orgasm hormone, oxytocin also goes up. And what does that do that makes you reach out to people? Oxytocin makes you want to connect. So we actually have a mechanism in place when we are stressed in that we, we want to reach out to people and call people. So I will when I am down and when I am struggling I want to make sure, and even if I'm not, I want to make sure I call, I connect, I talk to the postman, I talk to the person who's making my coffee. These mini connections are what research has shown is what actually gives us longer life. People at age 50 who were happier in their relationships and had these mini connections live longer than people who didn't. And this is out of North Carolina. They they, they researched for 80 years. It's the longest study ever done on to see how long people live and some of these people are still alive. It's about our relationships. It's about community, about our tribe, about connecting pe with people and not, not necessarily your husband or your mother, or your sister. Like I said, the mini connection. So I remind patients, you know, now it's hard, we're quarantined, so we can't. But if you, you know, try not to just text and call people, but actually have face-to-face connection, you know, heart to heart, the heart has energy. It actually, you know, I'm a heart math practitioner. They've, they've found that the heart actually gives electromagnetic fields and we can feel people. And so it's, those are all important things to help you feel more balanced by socially connecting and also filling your cup so that it's so full that then you share that with the world and you're not trying to fill it with external validation or external things, which many of us do. And there's, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I've, I've repeated that pattern many times, but now I'm at my stage where I have that morning routine that will vary. I'll, I'll get up some mornings and do yoga and stretching and have my tea. I love tea. And some days I'll go out and go for a walk. Some days I go for a run. I give myself permission to be so in the moment and not plan what tomorrow is going to be like. Whereas before I, I was very different. Last year, if you'd asked me this question, I was much more strict about my, you know, gratitude journal in the morning and then doing this in the morning and then my bulletproof coffee and then going to work out and going to work, picking up the kids. When you have kids, it becomes a lot more routine like because you're kind of forced to because of them. Whereas now I've, I've, I'm kind of going through a different phase where I'm just being, let's see what tomorrow brings. I'll decide tomorrow what I feel like doing. Oh, I love that. So beautiful. Being flexible. One of my mentors says the key to longevity is infinite flexibility, like flexibility, not only in your body, but flexibility in your mind. And I think that's such a beautiful reminder. And I love that you just follow your feeling. I think that's really beautiful. And yeah, you've dropped so many 
truth bombs and so much wisdom for us today so far. I'd love now to do three rapid fire questions with you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Just one thing that we can all start today. Eat more broccoli. Yes. I love that one. I love broccoli, so I'm sweet. These are good. This is just what I would tell my kids if they asked me. So, What is one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Hmm. Just don't be afraid of money and know your worth. Know that if it comes from genuineness and wanting to help and wanting to do good, that you want to attract wealth. You want to attract money so that you can pass that on and do more with it. So I have a lot of people, even friends, who don't charge enough or who are afraid. Like they think it's bad. I grew up very religiously and always thought like it's bad to make money as a doctor. You know, even now when I'm on podcasts and I'll send it to my mom, you know, I get worried because she kind of probably will think, oh, now she's this popular doctor. And, you know, she she judges it sometimes to be that I'm I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. And so it, it's good to know your intention and your, you know, what, why are you doing what you're doing? If it comes out of passion and wanting to help people, then you deserve that so that you can actually do more good and pass on your information. And you'll most likely be really successful if you're doing it for those reasons. And the last one is what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life and in the world? Hmm. Seeing yourself the little girl in you or the little boy in you and seeing that in other people so that you realize everyone is doing their best. Everyone was once that little seven-year-old. All the men who, if women have been hurt by or, you know, all the little girls who are, are struggling, are being hard on themselves were once like my daughter and my son. And so it's nice to be reminded that you yourself. So I have, I've put pictures this year of myself as, as a kid around the house, just to remind me, cause I'm so hard on myself and I can say pretty harsh things to myself when things are not going well, that I would never say to a friend. And so just a reminder that there's a little girl in you that had hopes and dreams you know, and that you would probably be so kind and loving towards your niece or your nephew or other children and be that for yourself. Absolutely. I have a little six-year-old photo of me beside my bed because I, about three years ago, realized I needed to do a lot of inner child healing work. And so one of the first things that this mentor, coach, whatever you want to call her, suggested was that I get a photo of myself and I put it beside my bed and she wanted me to meditate with it. But then I just left it beside my bed and every morning I wake up and I roll over and I kiss her and I say, I love you so much. And sometimes I say, I'm sorry for neglecting you today. I'm sorry for not having you in my heart today. I'm so sorry. Like if I was hard on myself or if I said something harsh to myself that day and she's just smiling, beaming back at me. And I'm just like, how? Could I neglect her? How could I do that? And yeah, so having that little photo, and I love what you do, have them all around your house if you have to. It's still hard for me. I mean, today I had a friend say something, a colleague, and I said, gosh, that is so hard. You're so mean to yourself. You would never say that to me. 
And then I realized I still, it's, it, can, it can be a habit, you know, and I still sometimes have to really catch myself. It's much easier to see it when other people are doing it than often when the hamster wheel goes off. But it's nice to have those moments of meditation, of stillness, of a, of a mini ritual. And I always say, try to attach a habit to another habit you have. So if it's like you take a shower every morning or you always have a coffee or you always do one thing every day around the same time, now attach a mini habit that you want to have, like have more water or have whatever you want to do or deep breathing, five deep belly breaths. Attach that to another habit so that it can start becoming a habit. And it's not just this thing that you read about or heard on our show. But, you know, I think I, I, I do that. So now before my shower, I'll do some dry skin brushing all the time now. It's become a thing I do. You know, it's, it's just habit now. I don't even think about it. It's right there, just like we brush our teeth. So if I have patients that are like, I forget to take my magnesium or I forget to take whatever, I go, just put it next to your toothbrush because you do that every diet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that really helped me many, many years ago was I put a photo of my mom and my dad as children in my phone. So anytime they call me, that photo of them when they were six pops up. And it reminds me that they were at one point. And anytime I like feel a bit frustrated or, or things like that, like you, how can you be when you're staring at this gorgeous little six-year-old? And so that's a really beautiful thing that anyone can do is like change the photo in your phone of your parents or, or whoever that, you know, maybe it's a grandparent or maybe it's a friend, like put these little photos of them when they were six in your phone. And anytime they call, you'll be reminded that that beautiful little child is still there. I'm going to do that. I wish I'd learned about that earlier. That's brilliant. <laughs> I know. It's so good. So another mentor taught me that and it helped so much. Like it has really helped heal my relationship with my parents so much. Love that. Yes. Brilliant. This has been so beautiful. I have absolutely loved chatting with you and there's so much wisdom that you have shared, but is there anything else that you want to share with us? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything you wanted to talk about that I didn't get to ask you about? I would say, no, just focus on the basics, you know, really don't overthink it. Think of what you would tell your friend to do if they were in your situation and ask why, ask more why questions. Don't just settle with what title or diagnosis or what you've been told or prognosis. Know that there's probably another answer. So look for a second opinion, look for a third opinion and listen to your gut. If something's telling you something else is going on, listen to yourself, especially when you're more still and you're quiet and you're in that state of intuition and being, we often know females have such an incredible intuitive sense. You know, that's when mothers know something's wrong with their kid. It's funny with my daughter, when she was born, I knew right away something was wrong. And even when they, the, everyone saw her eye, everyone was like, no, no, that's just all the stuff from, you know, births. Like that's just stuck in her eye. And no one believed me. And I think that's what I was most angry about was that no one, even the doctor, the midwife, my mom, my partner, everyone was. And I just, I just knew, I knew right away. And this, it's amazing. I still deny, I'm still like, how can it be so powerful that I know? Like, you know, cause my daughter will say, how do you know? And I'm like, I just know, I don't know you. As soon as you think about it or you try to verbalize it, it goes away. So 
being more in touch with that intuitive side and, and, and just cherishing it and using it and listening to it and just being like, oh, this incredible power that we have. Oh yeah, we do. We are such incredible, intuitive beings. And I love what you said, you know, put on the detective hat and ask why and keep asking why and then why and why and why and why and just get to the bottom of what it is, the root cause. I love that so much. It's such, you know, don't settle. Don't settle for what one doctor says to you. Don't settle for what one person says to you. Keep going deeper, getting to the absolute root of the issue. Yeah, never settle because you're worth, you know, you're worth everything. You are. And just know that in medicine, we're trained to make sure you don't die. Conventional medicine is trained to make sure like, you know, things aren't into disease mode. We're not trained to make everyone optimal. So often the ranges I'll see their vitamin D, their iron, everything looks normal because it's in this wide range. But then I'll be like, yeah, but you're like right at the bottom of the range. And do you really want to be like right at the cutoff? You know, especially in the US, we're not the healthiest population here, you know, and their thyroid, their vitamin D, their iron, like everything is literally right at the at the cutoff. And they're told there's you're healthy, you're totally fine. So I remind people that optimal health is very different than just functioning, you know, and not having a goiter. You don't want to have just enough iodine not to have a goiter. You want to have enough iodine to have a really healthy, smart baby. Totally. And where do you want to be? Do you want to just be surviving or do you want to be thriving? Exactly. Yeah. This has been so amazing. I've loved chatting with you. You help so many people. You are of service to so many people. I want to know how can I and the listeners serve you? What can we do to give back to you today? Oh, just spread the word. Just just tell people that they there are answers out there and that if they have symptoms, if they've been told they have ovarian failure and that they'll never get pregnant or that you know, their miscarriages are just random or that the sperm and the men are down and there's nothing we can do about it. That's not true. There's so much you can do. So just just letting people know that there's hope and their answers would really help me because I feel like that's been my purpose. My daughter chose my, my life journey for me and I really want to help others have healthy babies. Mm, well thank you thank you so much for the work you do you are a beautiful light beam we will link to all of your work in the show notes so everyone can go and check it out thank you so much for the work that you do for being here for sharing your wisdom i'm so grateful and i'm sending you and your family so much love likewise thank you that was incredible, so informative. I got so much out of it, so many great reminders. I'm so excited to dive into her trimester zero course. I'm going to do it for sure. I have literally been in trimester zero since the moment I met my husband because I know that one day we are going to make a baby. And it's really important that we take action now so that we can create the healthiest and the happiest little light beam that we possibly can. And if you got a lot out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together on this incredibly important topic. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week, which is 
awesome and so much fun. And don't forget to email me a screenshot of your review to hello at melissaambrosini.com. And as a thank you, I want to send you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. Also, don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I love reading them all, so please come and share them with me. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 297. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there is someone in your life, pretty much every single female can benefit from this episode. So please, 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 if you have anyone in particular, or just send it to all your girlfriends, because everyone can benefit from this episode. So you can take a screenshot of it, share it on your social media, please. It is so important. Or you can email it to them or text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.